From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for August 3rd. That's a Monday, 2020, the start of PGA Championship Week. And if we're going to start talking about a major, that means we need to talk betting and gambling because we're all home. So if you're in a state where it's legal, do what you can and uh, help give these states well-needed tax money. It's the first time I've ever promoted uh, um, betting for tax purposes, Alex is on, but we bring in our uh, uh, golf uh, betting insider and senior golf analyst on teeing it up, Alex Lazan. Hello, sir. Hello, hello. Quick, quick soapbox moment for me, too. I'm coming off a Sunday in which I had Justin Thomas at the WGC and had Ricky Wierenski at the Barracuda. So if there's anyone to listen to right now, it just might be me. You, A lot of people probably missed it, but if you have not, go back and look at the finish yesterday from Richie Wierenski holes out for Eagle on 16 birdies 18 out of a really thick lie in the rough that was a really um Im- uh, a really impressive finish um it was yeah for for him and I feel for Troy Merritt you know he just did not get anything to fall um yesterday which hey that that can happen in golf um Alex is the host of the uh or uh, co-host, actually, of the Course of Life podcast. And you did something interesting recently. You went on a golf staycation. So, for the folks out there, what are the three takeaways you had from doing a golf staycation? Because for a lot of people out there, uh, both facilities and consumers, the, the trip to Scotland is not happening. Most likely, the trip to Scotland is now the trip to... You know, maybe some beach resort that that you haven't gone to, or maybe some nice hotel resort, and 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 you know the golf course was only available to guests, that kind of a thing. So, what are your three takeaways from your staycation for the podcast? I mean, first off, I really enjoyed going during the week. You know, I would I would say like really think about like a Monday to Thursday reservation, especially if you got a job now where you could be a little bit more remote. Getting yourself out to these destinations maybe during the week where you normally wouldn't have thought to because of all the days off you have to take from work would be such a such a tax on your schedule and your vacation life as a, as a worker in corporate America. So I'd say if you could find a weekday spot, that would be my first thought, and, and then. Definitely make sure you get there for, for a sunset round. Uh, I enjoyed a completely empty course for the first time in years. I could just decide that I wanted to play an extra nine holes, and there was absolutely no nobody out there with me. So, so hit the sunset for sure. And uh, th- there's really no need to like pack any of the extra safety stuff besides obviously the mask because the, the, the right resorts are doing it the right way with, with sanitizer everywhere, hand-washing stations, and really safe protocols in place. So if, you, if you're able to get two or three out of those three things going on in the staycation, then, then absolutely have a good time playing and, and maybe do it with a car drive instead of a flight, like you mentioned. Um, and I think, too, people, you know, so many people do sweep because of work reasons or whatever, and they don't think about Twilight. I've, I've always loved Twilight Golf. There's a mythical quality to it that's very unique. You can. I had. A, I put a live on my Instagram at Course of Life Alex where I did some sunset golf around 8.30 p.m. with the, with the Texas July sun, sun still beaming down. So it was fun getting out there. I'm looking forward to doing some more trips and obviously showing our, our audience how you can get out there and travel safely and responsibly now. Yes, absolutely. All right, speaking of, of safe and responsible, we, we want to bet safe and responsible. 
um, at the PJ at Harding Park this weekend. So let's start here. We always talk about hangovers. I'm not a fan of what Brooks Kepka said after the round. He said he was content with the tee shot in 18. He was being aggressive, and he may have been either misaligned or or something happened. I, I, I don't get what Brooks was doing there. If you want to give yourself a chance to win, you have to hit the fairway. Do you think Brooks has put himself in a position to get his game where he wants it and mentally be in the right place entering this week? Yeah, maybe not mentally. I don't know. That that whole comment just screams to me of Brooks being like, guys, don't tell me what to do. This is my golf game. Like, don't worry about me. I'll, I'll figure it out. I'm fine. You know, yeah. it, 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 kind of, it kind of reeked of denial to me a little bit. It's just like, Brooks, we're just we're just asking about an Aaron shot. It's okay. You're you're allowed to hit Aaron golf shots. You don't have to be quite as robotic as you may be illustrating. So I don't know. I mean, I saw we saw a good amount of form from him right now. But but you're right. I don't quite know if he's in the place to be in Brooks Kepka dominant 27-2018 mode that we all remember so fondly. I, I'm not quite sure that this is his week. I, despite the fact he's sitting at one of the odds-on favorites at 11-1, to obviously a lot of respect there, but I, I think I'm staying away on him this week. I'm not, yeah. I, I also am not uh, big on, on what I'm seeing from him right now. It, it, it doesn't, something doesn't ring right. Speaking of things not, not ringing right, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but Bryson DeChambeau does things that us human beings don't. He attempted to drive the 18th hole yesterday at the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational. Um, and in 30 years, Jim Nance says he's never seen anybody there, and Ian Baker Finch has never seen anybody there. Um, I've never seen anybody there in my 15 years of watching this event um, behind the scoreboard for his drop. Um, are we Bryson believers here? I mean, this is... What what he's trying to do, and yes, Harding Park has a lot of dog legs, but what he's trying to do here is just bizarre to say the least. He becomes a mental head case, and then he tries things like he did either at 15 at Memorial or 18 yesterday where I'm sitting there going, I have no idea what you just attempted to do, sir. Yeah, we go from the denial, the, the immature denial from Brooks Kepka after a bad shot to just like the childlike anger that's like repressed and brought out on the golf course from Bryson at times. Like we had we had the, the multiple run-ins with the rules official, the strange fire ant controversy last week. And then the end of the week, you know, when things aren't going well, he tries to unleash a drive that's what, what that carry probably had to start with the four if he was actually going to carry the green and it was basically like one of those swings like when you're an 11 year old and you're hungry and you've lost your temper at the driving range and you're just trying to like bang a few more balls as far as you possibly can and you just put all of your emotion into a golf swing like I, I kind of picture that being exactly what he was feeling on the 72nd tee there after just a very lackluster week so just yeah again the word we put uh, for him on the course of life podcast is entertaining but we can all shake hands on the fact that what he's doing it is entertaining it doesn't necessarily have to be good entertaining or bad entertaining it is entertainment uh you can kind of make your judgments from there as to where his level of maturity is at um we're talking with alex was on course of life podcast um 
Luke Cardenine of Golf.com actually did the math. What he was attempting was a 371-yard carry to the front end. 371. Okay. All yeah, right. Just 37. easily 371. Yes. I, mean, I, know, I know it's not in his head. He would stand up on the podium and he would say, well, that's not that far away from carries that I've done in the past few weeks. And the wind was down and I threw some grass in the air and I calculated this, this, and that. Yeah, I'm sure, Bryson, I'm sure you have that full explanation for us, but just save us the time. One thing if you're Justin Thomas on 15 and you hit the cart path and go 320, what Bryson was trying to do is go over houses, trees, and water. It's not like he could have run anywhere. He had to do this all in the air by carry, um, 371. By the way, if he wanted to bail out and go front of the green, it was 331. Um, uh, Sorry, 336 to about 45 yards um, short of the green. Nice bailout spot. Yeah. Yeah. So he didn't. Nobody tried any of those, and that's that. Anyway, um, are you off Bryson this week because we just don't know what we're going to get out of him, Mister Fire Ant? <laughs> I know. Yeah, the attitude has gotten really, really astray the last couple weeks. I said a few weeks ago after I won with him at the Rock and Mortgage, I would bet him every week until the foreseeable future until he loses the tournament. Well, he, I mean, he, he quickly avoided that streak, and I just since then. It, it, it doesn't seem like the, the for, for all the, the hullabaloo we've made about his distance and his strength and all the improvements we've seen in his yardages, there's still a lot of spots around the green where he just he just quite can't make up to the ground he's gaining off the tee. And, and once those doors close for him and he's able to meld those things together, maybe we'll see more performance like we saw in Detroit. But, uh, yeah, just... Not not feeling Bryson, even though he's still sitting in a decent spot as, as one of the top five or six favorites this week. Yeah, I mean, according to uh, uh, Jeff Sherman from last night, he was the third betting favorite at fourteen to one, same as Rory and Rom. So, um, it's uh, it's just fascinating with him. Then we move to Justin Thomas, and we talk so often about hangovers from winning and how much winning takes out of you. And Justin was asked about it last night, was asked about getting in late, the the time change, all that. And he basically said, look, um, I actually think having fans, having no fans out here helps. It actually takes less out of you just because of how much the fans pump into you and how much of a charged atmosphere it is. There's, There's this calm, kind of quiet surrounding it. That was his theory, at least. Um... And what I think is interesting, though, is you juxtapose that with the tee shot at 15, which was way left, 16, which was way right, 17, which leaked right, and 18, which he said purposely he hit it. It was the most anti-left swing of his life, he basically said in his press conference. But still, he missed it way right. My point is he had a two-way miss going, so he knows he needs to fix some things um, going into this week. What's your take on A, JT's energy level, and, and if that's a factor this week, and B, game-wise, did you see anything um, that uh, okay. would uh, uh, give you cause, uh, uh, pause? Yeah, I don't know. Just like the, you're right. Those couple drives were a little sketchy. He was doing some serious scrambling at the end to, to hold really on was. and obviously got help from what happened with Brooks. 
um, you know, I just like in terms of my timeline, it it, it, it feels very right to, to pick JT based on his form, obviously winning before the, the week of a major that he's familiar with and, and has gotten before. There's a lot of things that would point to betting him. Uh, I just there's not a lot of history behind two weeks in a row guys like this, especially at these different stages. They're kind of very different venues in, in practicality and, and how they look as well, too. So I don't think that there's like a ton of carryover that we're going to see. I think we're going to see a Justin Thomas that will put himself maybe remotely in your contention. Uh, looking at a top 10 or 20 finish, he could be a great top 10 play. Uh, but, yeah, I, I just I don't know if we're going to see him right off the bat on Thursday morning making waves and being a part of this picture this week. But the favorite that I'm really cued in on, if anyone, is maybe Rory because of the 2015 match play. But I don't know. All these guys towards the top you know, five or six of the, uh, the odds on to win, they're there's just a lot of question marks surrounding each one, so it's going to be interesting to see how everyone's cards get, get laid out. But I've got, I've got thoughts up and down the board. I know that. This is why, it, it, folks, this is why Alex and I um, are – this is our group chat essentially or, or our text chat essentially on a radio podcast because I had the same thing. I'm looking at these odds and going, I'm not sure about this person, this person, this person, this person. Because with Rory, he did it. He did the WGC – um, uh, back when it was in Akron, that followed by a PGA back-to-back, he and Tiger are the only people to win WGCs the week before a major. Yet, with Rory, we have the Sunday problem. Yet, there's 2015 match play. I don't know how to read Rory this, uh, this week. I don't know if that experience means anything. I have no idea. Yeah, generally the couple things that I go off of are, are, are I'm looking at what the guy has done recently, how they like the track, and, and, and the third, it really doesn't take a ton of research. It's just my gut feeling as to how I see them playing this week based on the last, you know, a couple of rounds I've seen them play. I, I don't, I put research into my picks, but I, I don't like to overthink it and grind through the numbers too much because you can absolutely go crazy saying ifs and buts, but why not, and then if, you know, there's there's just... So many disclaimers in golf, but you, you, you got to stick to what you know. I'm, I'm looking at guys that have history on this course, guys that have recent history, and guys that I'm confident in putting down a dollar or two this week. Uh, does that mean that you were going to put money on John Daly before he uh, withdrew after what you saw in 2005, I believe it was? I was. I'm wondering, you know, you'll know since you're the broadcast aficionado, I'm hoping we get some, at least one good reference on the weekend to that 2005 duel in which we had the, the all-too-rare John Daly Tiger Woods playoff. Don't get, don't get to say that very often. But yes, and I think if great. Tiger's in contention, you will definitely see and hear references uh, to that. Um, that was the final round of the Old American Express... Which, yes, and uh, the, the famous ending to that story was, I know, Daly missed a short putt in the playoff and then allegedly went quickly to a nearby casino and spent an extraordinary amount of money on the blackjack tables. I don't know if it was five digits or six digits, but it was a rough night for him on the tables after that loss as well. I can, um, I can tell you um, that... Yeah, it was a it was a, a short miss, and this is now the WGC Mexico Championship. Oh wow, Jesus! How <laughs> so, did change, right? Yes, <laughs> names. It went from the American Express. <laughs> this just shows you it was the American Express when it was founded in '99. 
It then became the CA Championship, the Cadillac Championship. So it, it moved around, then it went to Doral, and now it's the one in Mexico. Yeah. Wow. So I forgot completely about that transgression. It's, it's funny, you, you, were, you were looking at Harding Park, and people were wondering about this course because there's just not a ton on it. You know, we have that 05 tournament way back. We've got the 15 match play. I we have the President's Cup. Sort of amateur tournament recently where Colin Morikawa had, had a decent showing. Uh, so that might be a guy that people want to look to add to their cards who's already gotten a win since the restart. Um, in terms of, if you're just straight looking at guys with course history, the list is fairly short in terms of recently in the last handful of years. And, and the other thing, too, is uh, you've got that 2009... Um, uh, 2009 President's Cup that Tiger, Phil, uh, Zach. See, see, this is the problem. This is the 09 U.S. President's Cup team. Tiger, Phil, Stricker, Kenny Perry, Zach Johnson, Stuart Shin, Sean O'Hare, Jim Furyk, Anthony Kim, Justin Leonard, Lucas Glover, Hunter Mahan. Man, a lot of those names are just off the face of the earth right now. Yes, um, or and or are having um, problematic uh, times with their careers. On, on, on the international side, Ogilvy, VJ, Camillo, and, and thoughts and prayers with his whole family. Just a horribly tragic situation there. Um, Retief, Ernie, Angel Cabrera, Mike Weir, who made his champion store debut this past weekend, Robert Allenby, Y.E. Yang, who withdrew from this championship yesterday, Tim Clark, Adam Scott, Rio Ishikawa. Yeah, I'm really not hearing a ton there. Really, the only name that has any sort of semblance there is you take a look at Phil's record in that 09 Cup. He's going off at over 100 to 1 odds right now, and I know things are far-fetched lately, but there were some glimpses last week that showed you that he might be ready to put something together for four rounds. So, you know, Phil at 100 to 1, maybe if you're a lefty golfer out there and you love getting action on, on Phil, I mean, maybe why not on that? But yeah, there's there's not, a, like you mentioned, there's not a lot of ton of record of guys performing well in this course. That's why when you look at Rory and you look at the 2015 match play, you just have to say yes. I, I, I think that's a green light for me. Just because just I don't have a whole lot else to go off. We're talking course history. So that, that's why I'm hitting the Rory button and I, I may even look at a dollar on Phil as well. Tiger went 5-0 and in that President's Cup. Phil went 4-0-1. Adam Scott okay. went 1-4 in that President's Cup for those who are looking for something off that um, event to go off of. All right. Ricky, I love Ricky. This is a golf course that on paper I think would, would, would fit Ricky, yet I don't think these swing changes with John Tillery have stuck yet, and I think he's a 2021 major guy, not a 2020 major guy. What's your thoughts on Ricky? I mean, just the elephant in the room in terms of golf Twitter, for anyone who's listening, is on social media <laughs> remotely knows that this is just like, it's a topic that like everyone like doesn't want to address, but like it's just, it's, it's time for us to all come together and talk about Ricky Fowler because it's, <laughs> it's we're officially at overdue point in time and for a lot of things to happen in his career. And now going through these swing changes, we see glimpses of it. And then Sunday happens where things just seem to fall apart the seams right from the get-go. It, it makes you wonder if he's going to be able to get back to that level where he was winning the players and consistently winning on tour now that he's in his 30s. Time for flying, Jeremy. <laughs> Ricky Fowler's in his 30s, and we're still wondering if that major championship is going to happen. Too many question marks here for me this week. 
I mean, obviously, I'm rooting for the guy. I, I have a you know million Puma shirts and hats in my closet that I love wearing in honor of him. He's stylish as hell, and I, I love what he's doing off the course. But on the course, just hard to get behind the weekend. You know? Same with Jordan Spieth. I, I just I've I've got to see it to believe it. But I'm with you. I fear that Ricky might be the forever leader in strokes gained congratulating major winners um, oh, and not winning that's one. That's a rough one, Jeremy. No, it is, but he's by far. I mean, it's every major. He's behind the – he's somewhere behind the 18th greener in scoring. I mean, he's just yeah, – He might have to remove himself because he keeps being he keeps being the butt end of the joke at night. He doesn't get any credit for just being a nice guy and congratulating his friends anymore. He now just gets, you know, dolloped on for just being second place. You know? Yeah. He may have to quit that soon. Yeah, who knows? Um, all right, here's 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 an all right. Uh, sorry, one more sp- specific, and then we're gonna get to a whole bunch of things. Um, yeah. When it comes to Tiger, for me, Tiger's a thirty to one on paper. So it, it's a fantastic value pick because we have absolutely nothing to go off of. So you can steal some money with a low bet. But here's the thing: for me, Tiger going forward, Alex, is a is is a physical body thing that we may never know the answer to. And this is the concern with golf betting is, you know, we have injured lists in sports. We don't, in team sports, we don't have one in golf. You know, hockey has the mysterious lower body injury. Well, there's a lot of things in your lower body. Right. It's going to be cool. It's going to be chilly. It's going to have that crisp San Francisco air to it. It could be sunny, but it also could be crisp with a little bit of a marine layer. I've got to see Tiger looking good before I believe him. And yet, as we saw at Memorial, in good weather, you know, three days, he was great. And that fourth day, the back just did not, you know, let him do what he wanted to do on that Friday, I think it was. And I I, I fear that may be where we are with Tiger, that how he feels when he gets to the range dictates everything, not past performance, not trend lines, not stat lines, not how his swing looks, not how his practice rounds are, not if he had a worse ball, scramble 66 or whatever that thingy, that that apparently myth story before he won some major with Hank Haney. Um, yeah. I just think this is a physical thing and it's going to make Tiger very hard to bet going forward. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. He's in that Jason Day camp now, where I, where I, I want an injury report on him before I put my money on him. You know what I mean? It's like, but that's hard to get, and we're not getting that information. And I know you tweeted it out in the past couple of weeks where there were days at Memorial where the back just wasn't feeling great, and it was not happening, and then it was not going to, we were not going to be breaking apart. And there were days when he woke up on the right side of the bed, and everything felt great, and the scores in the 60s. It's just, <laughs> when you're someone like me who's betting on Wednesday for, for week long outright winners, it's very tricky. The Tiger's a guy you're going to want to look at round around. You're going to want to look at, you know, literally, quite literally, pulling up, hit, hit, getting him on the range 60 to 90 minutes before and seeing how he looks and checking his over-under score for Thursday or Friday's round and deciding on how you want to place the wager there or, or, or taking a look at him on Saturday morning if he's put himself into contention and we got a good weather forecast for the weekend. And as crazy as that sounds, those, those are the kind of things you want to look at if you're desperate to put your money on, on Tiger. In terms of a Wednesday a week-long bet, yeah, it's not going to be from me. Uh, but but if you're looking to put money on, on the big cat, that, that's how to do it. You're right. It seems so round around. It's very fickle uh, what we're going to get or see out of him on any given day. People, we're talking to, we are talking to Alex on Course of Life podcast. People always say to me, why did he look so good at the match? 
because you always say the weather has to be right, and it was raining. And right, and in the back, what's the back? Right. So, so, so here's what I said to them, which is a, it's his home course, so he knows literally everything about it. B, he actually missed. It, it, it was not, you know, Metalist is not a tight golf course if you can keep it on the fairway. So he was able to keep it there. But B, it was the humidity. It didn't matter that it was raining. It was that it was humid. That is music to the ears. Music to the back of somebody with a bad back. And Check the humidity forecast. For, for the yeah, exactly. And that's yeah. not what we're going to get this week. Um, it may be humid, but it's going to be a chilly humid. So whether it's 78 in tropical or 98 in tropical, that's what Tiger needs. He needs that Florida tropical air. And somebody right after the match DM'd me and said, if every major was that medalist from now until the end, Tiger would win 40 of them. <laughs> Perfect. He would be able to play in all of them for 10 more years, and he would win all of them. Um, I mean, it's... Folks, that's the thing with Tiger, and that's why the match means nothing in terms of how he'll do uh, this week. All right, let's get serious here. I think Xander gets his first major, beats Patrick Cantlay in a three-hole playoff, so that would be a 20-to-1 guy beating a 25-to-1 guy. Hmm. I like that. Not bad. Not bad at all. I also like... I also like that you brought up the Colin Morikawa guy because he seems, I feel like with no fans, you're going to need people who can get themselves motivated internally. Um, Xander and Patrick are both even keel guys that have a fire burning inside. I like that formula this week because I would also love a guy like, like Victor Hovland, but I just think Victor gets too fiery on the outside. You need somebody who's even keel at a major. Xander and Patrick have earned their stripes. I think one of them wins this week. Yeah, those are nice picks. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. There, there are eyes on Shoffley, California background, uh, definitely due for that breakout moment. Uh, can't lay one. I backed him at Memorial a couple weeks ago, did not see what I would have liked in terms of his form. So I'm not sure if I'm going to be pressing the button on him, but Shoffley, definitely someone to look at. And the other person to look at, too, is if you're talking about a guy with internal fire, how about a guy who's won multiple times in 2020, is sneaky, a top five golfer in the world right now, Webb Simpson, who had a win right down the road at Olympic Club. So that's a guy you can think about as well. This is not the longest course in the world. I think it's going to be tipping out around 71, 7,200-something yards. So it's not undoable for someone like him who's a medium ball striker in terms of distance. And him at 30-1, to all three of those guys are definitely viable picks if you're talking about Tier 2 players to win this week um let's go in terms of a lineup who who down there further down if you're somebody who's a dfs guy and you're looking at somebody further down uh that i can get you to the weekend and give you some value who are you looking at because to me you know um we always talk about the uh, uh, uh we always have 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 done this thing with Tiger where where he the reason why he made 142 consecutive cuts is that he was able to turn 73s into 69s and somehow kept himself around just long enough to get himself to the weekend and that that is a talent that so many people don't realize is really hard to do but Tiger did it and did it so well and so 
efficiently for so long? Is there somebody that when you look at this field list jumps out at you as somebody that can be a good down the line value pick? Because for me, somebody that I'm looking at, whether it's Dylan Fratelli, whether it's Tommy Fleetwood, whether it's those happen to be international guys, um, Jason Kokrak, um, and even somebody like a Ches Revi, I don't know if they'll win, but I think they could get you to the weekend. Whereas I'm not sure a flyer on Matthias Schwab, who's very unknown in this country, trying to get special temporary membership on the PGA Tour, is that guy to get you to the weekend. Yeah, a few, a few guys I'll throw out that are down the line if you're looking to get someone through the week and maybe a sneaky top 10 or 20 finish for a DFS lineup. Uh, Got to start with my buddy Benny on. Not one of the greatest putters in the world, but he figured out the lag putts in the last couple weeks when I watched him. He's going off odds-wise around 80 or 90 to 1. He's definitely a good low-value play. And, the, and another guy that I put money on who came up very close in the last couple weeks, Max Oma, going off at 125 to 1 to win. I don't know what his price is on DraftKings or or whatnot, but definitely a guy that's had some good form. And the third one I'll throw at you is a guy that we've been talking about on the podcast for a while, and he's had two top tens since the restart. He's from California. He's got a history playing this course in junior tournaments when he's younger. Been around for a while. I'm talking about Kevin Na walking putts in. He's 175 to 1 to win. Uh, he's going to be a low value price as well, too. And, and this is a guy that definitely has the hunger to still win that major championship, and he internally believes he can with his best golf. So, so that, that's an example of a few guys that I've seen good things from recently, and, and you're going to get a good, uh, cheap play on them for potentially getting him into the weekend. I'm telling you, Max Homa is, is somehow being overrated. This guy went to Cal, knows how to putt on Poe, he can win this thing. I mean, he's a legitimate contender in my mind to win it. And I know he'd be off the radar for a lot of people. And a lot of people know him because of his social stuff, um, roasting people's golf swings. I think he's a legitimate title contender. Oh yeah, what was it? Where he contended? Was that sorry? Was that three M where he contended? Yes, it was three M. Yeah. Yeah. So and, and and I picked six a week on, on my Twitter at Course of Life One, and Max Homa was the second or my second or third favorite on that entire list of that field who, who I went with. And I think he was somewhere in the neighborhood of forty to one that week. Uh, for his odds to plummet like this is a little interesting, though. So when I see a big number like that for a guy that's won on tour and has played well recently, I got to jump on it for a dollar too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Let's see, what else? Is there anything in the uh, last 30 seconds that I have you? Anything else you want to say or uh, point out here for the betters and gamblers and fantasy players? I tried to make a rap. I don't think that rhymed um, out there. No problem. My, my, my headlines are I have a weird feeling this could be a Rory Roars week. Um, when he wins, he wins in a very pronounced fashion. We haven't quite seen that in a little bit, but I'm going to be leading with him as my favorite. Uh, I, I, I put out a, a kind of a, a splattering of picks that I like not only for week outright, but for DFS lineups earlier when we chatted, and you can check my full list at Course of Life 1 on Twitter. Uh, like you mentioned, Morikawa is the guy I'm really leaning into. Just if we're talking course history, recent, like his vibes, like his demeanor for this venue. So I, I'm just, if I'm throwing two names out of too hard, I'm, I'm, I'm going with Rory and Colin Morikawa this week. And the thing with Colin Morikawa is that his upside is so big, A, because he's part of Wolf Morikawa Hovland, but... Yeah. <laughs> he already bounced back from a, uh, from a bad loss since the recap. 
and he did not let what happened at Colonial impact him because he won. He went out and won the workday. He made that 23-footer after JT hold it from long range on top of him. That's what impressed me about the workday win. Yes, he technically won because JT stymied himself behind a tree, but the bottom line is Morikawa made sure that playoff continued, and he did it after being horseshoed by a horrible hole. Um, on on that Sunday at Colonial. That is somebody that I think can be really, really problematic. Or sorry, a a real contender and and be problems to the other contenders um, this week because he's already lost and bounced back this this, um, restart. Same as JT. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, listen, there's a lot of great guys that are that are that have the right amount of form to get it done, and, and I like that we have a bit of a blank canvas this week. It's kind of fitting for the way we are re-entering major championship golf with no fans in an August, leading with the PGA. Just so strange in theory and hindsight. And if you told me this six months ago, I would have had you sent into an insane asylum. But here we are. It, it, we're getting back to some sort of normality. And I'm, I'm glad we got a major. And uh, it, we're getting the major vibe this week. So I'm feeling it. Yeah, this is, um, you know, through these what? I think it's, I think this is week 10 of the restart? Nine of the restart? Whatever it yep, is. Nine officially, yep. N- nine, yeah. Um, it's uh, it's been compelling golf, and the fact that this is our first major is bizarre. And we've got a playoffs that start in two weeks, and we're gonna have a FedEx champ, a cup champion in a month, <laughs> and then we're gonna turn right around and have the United States Open. Um, so if you poured your, you know, if you partied with your uh, fifteen million dollars, uh, put that aside and get ready because you're gonna have to pounce immediately come September. Alex Lazon, Course of Life podcast. Um, give folks the uh, teaser for this week's episode. Absolutely, yeah. We're going to have a trick shot artist from London named Emily Sayers on. She's got some really cool content. Founder of Plane Swing Golf, who talks about how Bryson is working on his swing plane specifically to, to get the distance he's getting. So, really cool conversation. Obviously, golf and life talk every week. And I uh, appreciate you having me on, Jeremy. And it always ends. Always ends with food. Every time. (laughs) That's Alex Hazan, Course of Life Podcast. Thank you all for listening to this edition of Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. Thanks, Alex.